glad you've joined us here today for Radio Arcadia. It's Thursday, December 11th, and I'm still Chris Marcus, your host, here with you as always. And today we are covering some of the recent news in the financial markets. Wow, what a fascinating time in life we're living in. On one hand, we we can all, well, maybe not all of us, but certainly I think a lot of the folks who are listening to the show now are sniffing the demise of the dollar. It's, it feels like <laughs> feels like we're building to something, and certainly we're seeing the effects of that around the globe right now. A couple of news stories that came out this week were China having some market volatility uh, the other day. China notched its biggest market loss in five years after Beijing made a surprise move to rein in lending fueling concerns about growth in the world's number two economy, which, where to even begin on that one? On one hand, they're printing money, and on the other hand, they're reigning in liquidity. And in the end, you see more market turmoil. Also in the news has been this plummet in the oil market that I guess has been going on for a couple months now, although... Perhaps you may have been experiencing this as well. I I read about it in the news, but when it really starts sinking in is there is a gas station that I walk past almost every day. And, and I would just notice their sign as I was walking past because, it, it, you know, for the most part, gas has averaged. It seems like it's been with a three handle, somewhere between three and four bucks for the last couple of years in most locations around the U.S. And at least here in Denver, Colorado, I, I saw it 3, 360, 350, 340. Then eventually the three went away and now there's a two. And seeing the prices just continue to go down, obviously this is having a lot of implications in the stock market. A lot of the energy producers are having a very difficult time. Um, of course, other companies, this has been good news for because energy is really, we, we could say energy is involved in everything or, or in other ways that what could you find, name a product in which energy is somehow not involved. Every time you're shipping something somewhere, there is energy. You're just turning on the equipment whether you're using gas or electricity, just some form of energy, lighting up a building, heating the building, the more activity is, the more energy there is. And I haven't seen anyone else comment on this yet. And it's still, I still haven't really seen anyone have a specific explanation of why the oil market has had this, this massive decline I am looking at a Wall Street Journal article here where it says oil prices have plunged about 40% in nearly six months due to rising production in the U.S. and elsewhere. Um, now, I haven't gone through the OPEC numbers or the U.S. production numbers, but still, to I'd, I'd be curious to know what is the uh, – it, it seems hard to imagine that there's been that sh such a sharp – increase in production that is entirely accounting for this whole move. And of course, in case you hadn't picked up on it yet, what I'm going to say is likely to at least be factoring in somehow is that you've ended 
QE3 and QE4, whatever you call the last two packages. I, I guess most people combined it into QE3. You keep the numbers smaller, but still, it's not an accident that once you stop printing money that you begin to see economic activity slow down. We've seen problems in the Eurozone where with Mario Draghi and his similarly fantastic Keynesian idea of, well, we must fight deflation. God forbid if people could actually afford to buy a sandwich and, and own a car and, and have a place to live. But just like they're worried about this deflation, translate it really into the fact that the, the, the price levels are unsustainable. Just like in, in the U.S., housing prices had to come down because people couldn't afford to pay these prices. You have 25% of the country that's unemployed. So this is the market trying to heal but it's trying to fight that counterbalancing force of the central banks. And it's a, a complete disaster, of course. And this is why uh, central bankers shouldn't try and play God. But you see it happening here. You see it happening in Japan under the fantastic unicorn Abenomics. Shinzo Abe, who a couple of years ago ran and was elected prime minister. Or was it president? I never remember which... which uh, which name card they give the Japanese uh, dictator. But he basically had the idea that if he convinced enough people that he'd print anything that moves, they'd vote for him, get free cash, and all be well. And, of course, they're having trouble. And certainly, well, the, the U.S. stock markets haven't slowed down yet. But that was what could have been expected upon... If Now, again, this is also factoring in if the Fed has really stopped buying as many bonds as they say they have. You know, you can take them at face value and assume that they've slowed down the, the pace. And if that's the case, certainly to see some of the indicators and warning signs going off in the market, the same way that they happen each of the other times that the Fed tried to stop printing money and then only to eventually say, oh, well, the market's weakening, so we have to start printing again. Which, despite the fact that I clearly said I never thought they would taper or end QE, and that did end up happening, my, well, I think I added a caveat in there somewhere that if they did do this, then they would continue printing again and I mean, if you can see Janet Yellen or any of these other central bankers watch more decline in the markets, and especially if things really start to get rocky, you think that they're not going to whip out their printing bazookas. Mario Draghi's big bazooka, as he famously called it in 2012. That's, that's why it's... And what, that, that's why the, the markets are a little more complex than just thinking of one step into the future. It reminds me of one of those uh, differential calculus derivatives. And maybe I'm just uh, had, had too much equity option training for my past Wall Street life warped into my brain. But you really can't just think about the you know what's going to happen in the next step because it's it's all built and predicated upon each other. Where, and, and this is similarly applied 
when I see people putting price targets on gold and silver, which I think unless they're accompanied with, okay, this is the price target if QE3 ends and they don't do QE4, or this is the price target with the current money supply, or but you have to have some sort of barometer because you could say, well, I think gold is worth 5000 or 10000 an ounce and and I know it's uh, – I love saying those numbers and seeing the response that I get because obviously they sound very extreme. Although I think it's worth pointing out, if you actually uh, have ever read or, or, or familiar with Jim Rickards' his book Currency Wars that he wrote back in 2011. Now this was when QE2 was stopping even before Operation Twist. And he had a chart in there that if you just adjusted mathematically based on when the dollar was still backed by gold – and then how much money has been printed and just adjusted the fraction, you know, we would already be well over $10,000 gold. So what is it really worth in a true free market where the bullion banks aren't getting in there and doing what bullion banks do, which works for a while until enough Chinese people come up for their metal? Who knows what the price of gold would actually be? But that's something that we're going to find out because, again, whether you going back to the China story or the oil, and I also hear a lot about how some of these uh, high-yield debt markets are going to have problems with some of the lower energy prices. And that's certainly what I think a lot of people learned over these past couple of years is how interconnected all of these things are. So maybe in a healthy economy that didn't have U.S. government fascism and a Wall Street oligarchy, you could say, well, oil prices are going down. This is great news. It's going to make life less expensive. That means more wealth for everyone. And kumbaya, good times are here again. Or unfortunately, in the type of arrangement we have now where everything is so interconnected, but built upon a house of cards foundation. I mean, even Bernie Madoff acknowledged that the current Wall Street U.S. government arrangement was the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. And that has always been the, the catch in the argument, or the, the smoking gun of why we were going to have trouble. Now, I, I, could never guess exactly which actions Bernanke or the Fed or Yellen or any of these people would take on an individual level. But when you study the Austrian economic business cycle of what happens, the mechanics of when you actually print money, and the simplest way of thinking of it is that if interest rates are 4% and people aren't borrowing, and you do a temporary sale to put it on 2%, and people take out the loans, but then you raise it back to the rate they can't afford to pay, well, the loans are going to go, become insolvent. That's, that's the whole reason you don't do it in the first place. You don't try and play God in the markets to say, well, you know what? We just want more wealth, so we'll print money, and there it is. And don't take my word for it. Think about what happened after Alan Greenspan lowered interest rates following the collapse of the dot-com bubble. And then when he tried to raise them, we had the collapse of the housing bubble because when the interest rates were lower, everybody took out credit and then interest rates went up and we saw what we got. 
Now, fast forward a couple of years later, you've, you've seen essentially the same thing on a global level. Now, whether it's oil or the foreign economies, I think the U.S. economy has actually slowed down considerably. Just we have to keep in mind that we're looking at government numbers that don't include food and energy and inflation. If you've stopped giving up looking for work because it's been two or so years, you're not counted anymore. And especially the GDP numbers that are claiming to show how much the economy has grown. Keep in mind that government spending is one of the indicators there. So they could say they're going to give a few million dollars to every congressman and pay them a bigger salary. And that counts as growth in GDP. Or they could say, we're going to hire you to dig a hole in your backyard and then fill it back up again. And that's work. Now, you could pay someone to do that. But is that going to give your country and citizenship and more goods to consume at a cheaper price because again people want stuff and generally people want more stuff the cheaper it is the more stuff they have or the more money they have the more stuff they're able to have but you have to build it you can't imagineer it the fed can try but i don't think it's going to work any any better than it has the past couple thousand times it's been tried in history but fortunately, when you understand what's happening, this is why it can be so valuable having this knowledge. And then when you're faced with that decision, well, do I want to own treasuries in this environment? Wall Street's telling me it's okay. But when I think back about what happened to the housing market as an analogy, well, everyone said housing bonds were okay, but it turned out that wasn't so. And being patient and structuring your investments so that you weren't trying to time the day or the month, but just understood the consequences, whether that meant just selling any bank or mortgage stocks. Similarly, the gold market, not an easy one to figure if you don't understand that it's being manipulated and you think, well, geez, I thought everyone said if money printing is going on, gold will go up. But when you understand all of these pieces together, it's kind of like being able to repair an engine. If you don't know how to fix the engine, you could start that car all day. But when you understand the background and you've had the training, which you're getting here, then you can adjust accordingly. And really what once seemed like an insurmountable obstacle then becomes solvable. And that's why we're here for you at Radio Arcadia. So I hope you found this helpful. And if you go to Arcadia economics.com and click on the what can I do about it tab you'll find a variety of solutions there as well because this is what we like to help investors or business owners or people who are trying to reach more clients or just figure out solutions whether financial or even non-financial of okay we see what's happening we see what's coming how do we prepare for that so go hit that subscribe button for Radio Arcadia because we keep doing Radio Arcadia podcasts a couple times per week and we're going to be helping you through whatever comes up over the next couple of years. And again, you can find us at ArcadiaEconomics.com where you can find out what you can actually do about it and really begin implementing these steps into your business, into your investments and turn what could have been a crisis into the opportunity of a lifetime because when you know how to when you know the way the game is rigged you can still take the upper hand back and we'll be here on
on the ride for you. And with that said, I hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you are, and God bless you all.